Good morning, Hazel Findlay. Welcome on VH Berries. Hi, good to be here. You are a professional climber, an athlete. Please introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm Hazel. I'm from the UK. I've been rock climbing since the age of six. And I'm also a coach. And I specialize in mental training coaching. So helping climbers get over their fears and then also trained life coach as well. So I do coach non-climbers also. What you are doing is truly breathtaking. This is so impressive. You are climbing rock that are, um, that have angles that are around 90 degrees, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is extreme. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's hard sometimes for non-climbers to kind of imagine, you know, and, and understand what's difficult and what isn't. It can be that more steep rock, if there's big holds to hang on to, isn't that difficult. Or it can be that like even slabby terrain, so like off vertical where you're climbing like this side, can be very difficult if there's very small holds And so holds, we say, is like places to grab. Very small footholds can also be difficult. So there's lots of variables that make a climb easy or difficult. And Hazel Findlay, you started doing this sport and activity a long time ago since you were a child. Yeah, I started with my dad. He, he's also a climber and he taught me how to climb himself yeah so when I was I was very small like six years old you just mentioned Steve who is your father who is a huge um, example for you for example when you, you did uh, a very difficult climb he is the one who uh, he's holding the rope to secure you Yeah, yeah. So that's in one of the films I'm in. That's that's actually 10 years ago now. So it's it's getting old, but it's one of the climbs that people know me for. It's uh, on the a sea cliff in Devon. And yeah, he he belayed me is what it's called, where you you're at the bottom and you hold the person's rope and the, the person who's climbing is the lead climber. And uh, yeah, it was really, really nice to have my dad there. Um, for one, what at the time was the hardest thing I'd climbed. So yeah, that was really nice because he mentored me through my younger years and then to have him there for that was really special. Yeah. So this, this climb in particular, it's, uh, it's in Devon, it's on a sea cliff and it's like a very sheer wall. It's very intimidating. It's not very steep, um, but it's very featureless. It's very blank. And the sea is right there. So you have to go there at low to medium tide. Um, and you, yeah, so you're climbing like right next to the ocean and it's graded E9. So it's difficult to talk about climbing grades if you don't climb yourself. But uh, the grading system we have here in the UK um, we grade it for the difficulty of the climb so how hard it is actually to get from bottom to top but we also grade it as to how dangerous it is 
and this route was graded E9 which is kind of at the top end of that grading system and at the time no women had climbed that grade of E9 which is why that route was quite interesting to a lot of people when I did it and uh, it's not that it's necessarily very dangerous but it's it's the kind of climbing where you don't want to make too many mistakes so the climbing it really depends on how you manage your mind you know like it's sort of if you imagine kind of walking along like a narrow footbridge or something it's unlikely that you would fall but if you started to panic maybe you'd fall so it's kind of like that right it's like Obviously, it's a lot harder than walking along a narrow footbridge, but for someone who's climbed for 20 years, it's not as difficult. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting explaining it to people who don't climb, but it, it, the best way to describe it is kind of like saying, you know, you're doing something very technical, like a gymnastics routine or something, you know, but you can't fall, you can't make a mistake. So you have to be very focused and you can't be distracted, um, which is what makes it so interesting to me. That's why I love climbing. Absolutely, because uh, every time that you are doing a climb, there is always um, the things that you can control. So the mental preparation, but there are also external things, for example, the weather. Exactly, yeah. And a lot of people talk about that difference when it comes to what's called free solo climbing. And so some of you might have seen that film Free Solo with Alex Honnold in, um, where he's climbing without ropes. And I do a little bit of this, nothing nothing to the same level that he's doing it there. Um, and yeah, so there's things you can control. So like your preparation, physical and mental how you climb in that moment. But then, of course, people always say, well, you don't know about external things you can't control, like maybe a rock falls from above, or maybe a bird comes down, or maybe a <laughs> handhold is wet or broken, you know, something like that. But I think when it comes to risk in climbing, a helpful analogy is to think about the risks involved with something like driving in your car along the highway, you know, we do it almost every day, but we know that there's a risk involved, right? And some of that risk we can control, you know, we don't want to drive tired. We don't want to drive maybe at like the busiest times on the, or like if it was bad weather conditions or something like that. But of course you can go onto the road and something happens that's totally out of your control. Like a rogue driver just pulls in front of you or a, 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 a truck or a lorry like the wheel comes off or something you know that like random things happen right so I think we're used to this in our day-to-day -day life but we don't maybe reflect on it so much whereas as climbers we do reflect on it and have to weigh up our decisions you just mentioned the possibility to have birds that comes in your way because like, it's entirely possible to meet an entire family that was uh, living their best life and you are coming there. Um. <laughs> yeah, there's these birds in, this, in the sea cliffs in Scotland called fulmars and they're known for vomiting, like throwing up and... So as a climber, you really don't want to go near these birds because they 
when when they're frightened they they vomit on you and obviously birds eat fish right these sea cliff birds do anyway and so it's like the most gross thing ever it's never happened to me but it's a it's a thing that happens in scotland <laughs> and when i took a deeper look about some documentary about your uh, achievement there is a very special vocabulary linked to climbing as you mentioned the e9 level but also the word uh, pegs which are sometimes uh, really rusty <laughs> yeah so there's different types of climbing there's there's bouldering which is when you climb on very small boulders very small rocks and you don't use ropes at all and you fall onto crash pads so we carry around little either we call them crash pads or bouldering mats and you carry them on your bag back and you put them underneath you and you kind of they cushion your fall and then you have sport climbing which is where you have a rope and you lead and there's bolts already drilled into the rock and you clip into these bolts and then you clip the rope into that And then you go, you climb a bit higher and there's another bolt and the bolt, there's bolts all the way up to the top. And then you clip into the top and you come down. And then there's tra trad, which is short for traditional, which is a kind of older form of climbing. And that's where you put your own protection in the wall called nuts or cams. And that's requires a different skill set because not only do you need to learn how to move on the rock but you also have to have to learn how to place your own pieces of protection that you then clip the rope into and on these routes you might find pegs or pitons which are just pieces of metal that are bashed into the wall and they're, they're quite yeah they're quite a traditional form of protecting roots they're not as strong as bolts that have been drilled into the rock and they can get very rusty because a lot of them are very old now so yeah you have to be careful if you're on a route and you see a peg you have to be careful and and, and work out it, you know if you think it's safe enough to clip and trust your life on essentially it's kind of like say if you were like at the top of a building and there was a handrail and it was all really rusty you know would you lean on that handrail um and that hand rolls to there to stop you from falling right would you put your weight on it or not it's kind of like that <laughs> furthermore concerning these pegs um i observed that in climbing you are using um the crack in the rock um to climb to put uh, this uh, small metal uh, metallic object exactly yeah so that's that's trad climbing so you have these little things called nuts which are just little metal wedges essentially and you find a crack like that and you you, you jam the little metal thing in the crack and you 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 do it in such a way so that there's like a downward force it won't fall out but it will come out with an upward force So you can you can retrieve it afterwards. The idea is you place it on the way up and you have it so that if the if when you fall off, the force is going to pull that thing down. But then if you're when your partner comes up, they take that out on the way up. It's really hard to imagine. It's better if you if you go on Google and you research it. And then also there's these things called camming devices where you pull back a trigger and the metal 
is smaller and then you put it in a crack and it releases and gets bigger and they're called cams and uh, yeah so it's, it's a real skill to learn how to climb using this equipment. Hazel Findlay, I really like something that you said during one of your climbing, which is it's best to just not fall. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, so it really depends because there's some climbs you do where you can fall at any point and you're safe. But that that film that you're talking about specifically, it's better not to fall. It's one of those climbs where There are some places you can fall from safely and other places where you can't safely fall from. So instead of thinking too much, oh, what's going to happen if I fall? Will the equipment hold me? Will the rope hold me? Sometimes it's better to just focus on the climbing and not think about the falling. <laughs> This is very interesting because just before you mentioned the fact to do uh, the less mistake possible because the more you do mistakes the more you get tired uh, or demotivated so it's harder every time you fall yeah so a lot of climbing is about moving efficiently so the best climbers will make a move in the most efficient way using the least amount of strength So for example, like if I climb very front on and like bend my arms a lot, then I'm going to get really tired. Whereas if I kind of straighten my arms and hang straight and, and move in particular ways that are more efficient, then I'll get less tired. So climbing is very, very technical. It's really a very complex movement sport. And I think it's probably most similar to gymnastics, but instead of doing a routine that you've made up, you're using the rock as like, it, the rock defines your movement. So you mean that instead to have a mirror in gymnastic that reflects to you, uh, this time this is a rock. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, well, I tell you what, it's a bit like a cross between gymnastics and Twister. You know, the game Twister where you're like, you have to put your hand on the Absolutely. green thing and then your other hand like this. It's a bit like that, right? Because you look at the wall and you're looking for places where you can hold. You can't just hold anywhere, right? There's only certain places you can hold. So if I reach very far with this hand, then maybe I, I can't reach very well, so I have to move my feet. But if I move my foot, maybe it's pushing me out from the wall too much. So then I have to adjust my body again. So it's it's kind of almost like a game of chess as well, because you there's a certain sequence of moves that you need to do that will allow you up the rock. It, you can't just kind of go wherever you want, you know? <laughs> It's hard to describe. It's better if you do it, but um, um, hopefully maybe sparking people's interest here. <laughs> In this chess game, you're playing against yourself, the rock, but also gravity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going, it's not like skiing where gravity is on your side. In climbing, gravity is against you all the time. 
Hazel Findlay, I'm very curious about your mental preparation because when you are on the top, almost at the top of a, a rock, for example, and that <laughs> you are going to give up, what motivates you? What is your secret to keep always the head going forward? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, yeah, it's, I think it's one of the main things that defines a good climber is their ability to keep pushing when either they feel like they're not going to succeed anyway, but, but they keep trying or it's, it, it, when you try really hard where there's effort, it, it's kind of painful. It's like, you know, when you go on a long run, I feel like the best runners are the ones who can persevere even when their lungs are burning and their legs are burning and everything's telling them to stop. It's quite like that in climbing, like our forearms start to feel like they're going to explode and our fingers are like opening from the rock and maybe our legs are shaking and we're out of breath. And, um, and what's interesting about climbing is it's not like you can just try harder because you've always got to be in balance and because gravity is against you, you can't just like go like this, you know, you, you have to stay poised. You have to be calm. You can't just try, try harder. You know, you've got, you can try harder, but you, you need to keep your cool as well. Um, And so how do I do that? Yeah, I've wondered how it is that I do that. But I think the main thing is through practice that like that perseverance is actually a practiced skill. And the more you're in that space of trying hard and giving something effort and and building that motivation, then the more likely you are to be able to get there again. I think the other part of it is trying to stay present. So I think when when we want to give up, it's because we think, oh no, I can't get to the top. There's so there's so far to go. I'm not going to make it. What happens if I fall? You know, our minds come out of the present moment and they start to be anxious about what's coming next. Whereas if you just focus only on the next move or the next few moves, then then you don't have that kind of anxiety weighing on you. And it's much easier to kind of keep going when you think, when it feels like you've only got the next move in front of you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You just mentioned so many fascinating um, things. So to stay connected to the present moment um, by asking yourself, what am I seeing? What am I feeling on my hands? Uh, and also to... Um, And I also believe that you are doing some visualization. This is a huge part of the mental preparation. Yeah, so uh, the first thing you said about staying present. Yeah, so I might, I might just feel the rock under my skin or listen to the sounds or, um, or just like look at the wall in front of me, but like with a lot of curiosity, so like in a mindful way. Um, that helps me stay present. 
as for visualization, that's usually something I'll do before a climb. So say it's a climb that I've tried before and I know some of the movements, I'll rehearse it over and over in my mind and I'll imagine my body and I'll imagine how it's going to feel and what I see and where my body is in space. And there's tons of research to say that, you know, that actually imagining doing something is like training it is and it can actually grow muscle as well so um you can arrive at the rock better prepared even after just sitting on your couch and visualizing which i think is really cool and hazel findlay i truly believe that you are at a level of success that can be summarized in one word this is just passion that drives you uh, because otherwise uh, a normal people that would not really love climbing would just uh, pass uh, on another activity <laughs> yeah i think i think that's the main thing you've really got to love it you've really got to kind of be what I would call intrinsically motivated for it because climbing is very uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable sport. I know a lot of other sports are also uncomfortable, but climbing is uncomfortable physically and mentally. You know, it's, it's natural for us to be afraid of being high up. It's natural for us to be afraid of falling and drops and things like that. So um, I think with, with climbing, To be motivated to put yourself through that discomfort, you have to really love it. So I believe that to stay really anchored, Hazel Findlay, you have set a special morning routine, for example. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? I don't really have a morning routine, actually. Um, yeah, I'm quite a like unorganized person. I don't tend to have <laughs> routines. Yeah. <laughs> Hazel Findlay, through your career, uh, you have achieved a lot of records. Can you tell us about it and one of the most uh, important Uh, for you yeah so I don't I don't know if you call them records but so in in the UK we have certain sorry not in the UK in climbing we have certain uh, climbs and they get given names and they get given grades and so there's a few of these climbs that maybe I was the first person to do or I was the first woman to do, or the first British woman, or something like that. So I can talk about a few of my bigger achievements in climbing, I suppose. Uh, I guess one of them um, was climbing El Capitan in Yosemite Valley in California. And uh, I climbed it four times now, and we call that free climbing. So it's climbing with just hands and feet and not kind of put, you know, I was talking about the gear that we put in the rock. You don't pull on that to help you. You just use the natural features of the rock. Uh, but you still use ropes. So the ropes catch you if you fall, but they're just a safety thing. They don't actually help you get up at all. But the interesting thing about the climbs that go up El Capitan is that the, the cliff is a thousand meters, which is like a, 
is a lot of climbing, especially if the climbing's difficult for you. So um, usually you'll sleep on the rock face, which makes it a really kind of interesting challenge, right? Because usually when you do a sporting event, it's kind of over after a few hours. You know, even the very longest of races tend to only last like 24 hours, sometimes longer, but they're like the really serious ones, you know? Whereas this one is like, you climb all day and then you set up like a little ledge, we call it a porter ledge. And it's sort of like a rigid hammock that you strap to the side of the wall and you sleep in that. So you have to then cook your food and like make your tea on this little ledge, which I think is so fun because I just love being up high places. But then you, know, you wake up in the morning and then you have more climbing ahead of you. And so you're kind of living in the challenge, if that makes sense. And so the one of the harder ones I've done, I was actually on the wall for seven days, which is quite <laughs> a long time to be <laughs> strapped to a, a cliff face for. And yeah, it's, it's really cool being up there, but it's very challenging. It's very hard work. You have to pack all the food and water that you need for seven days. If you think about how much water you drink in seven days and how much food, it weighs a lot, right? So first you have to climb a certain distance and then you have to haul all of that stuff up after you, which is really hard work in and of itself. And then when you're very tired from doing that, then you have to climb some more and then you have to haul your bags. And so it's just, it's a very interesting challenge. And so it's, the climbs that I've done on that cliff, I've been um, quite proud of. And concerning this seven-day adventure, were you alone with a team? Uh, for for most of them, it's just me and another climb and my climbing partner. So we'll share the climbing and the hauling Whoa. and that kind of thing. Once I did it with a t with two people, so we were in a team of three. Um, but yeah, usually it's just small teams. I'm very curious about your partner because I truly believe you had to choose them very carefully because they are a key element of your success. <laughs> yeah, and it's really a team thing. It, it's, um, it's not like they supported me. It's more like we work together to get to the top. And yeah, it, mostly you have to be careful who you pick because if you don't get on with someone, it's not like, you know, if you're in a house, you can go for a walk outside the house, right? Or like if you're camping, you can go and take a short break in the woods. But when you're literally strapped to the side of a rock face, there's no escaping this person. You can't <laughs> leave them, right? So if you don't get on, then it's going to be terrible. So you really want to make sure that that person is someone who's your friend and someone who you can have fun with. And for example, is this type of adventure the same thing that you plan to do uh, in America this August? I will probably go in October, November. And yeah, I would like to climb El Capitan again. Yeah, that's or something in that valley would be great to climb again. Yeah. So we've just mentioned, for example, England, the United States of America. I want to know, Hazel Findlay, where are the best and most beautiful rock on the planet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Ah, yeah. So I guess, yeah, one of my favorite places is Yosemite Valley. Where else? Um, I've climbed a lot in the French Alps. Um, so I, I really like it there. And Northern Spain is very beautiful for climbing. Um, Australia is very beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think all the places I've climbed. Um, Morocco was really, really nice for climbing. Lots of big limestone cliffs in Morocco. Um, yeah, Switzerland, the Alps in Europe are, are, are beautiful uh, if you haven't been. And um, yeah, yeah, lots of, lots of great places to climb. And Hazel Findlay, it just reminds me of the possibility to climb on ice. For example, in the Antarctic, is it something that you you have thought of? <laughs> yeah, so I've done a little bit of cl ice climbing. It's not really my favorite um, because I like to feel the rock under my hands. You know, I like that connection. And when you climb ice, you use ice axes and you kind of hit the ice with the ice axe and then you have crampons on your feet which is like metal spikes on your on your boots and you kind of kick into the ice and for me it's like it doesn't feel as nice it's kind of it's it's kind of aggressive and um it hurts a lot as well like it hurts my toes whereas rock climbing it's 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 more of a dance and um for me it's nicer yeah And I don't get as cold either, whereas it, when it's icy, it's cold, obviously. Even if sometimes there are wind uh, that can challenge you. Well, um, Hazel Findlay, thank you so much for your time. It was very interesting thank and I'm you. wishing you, you the, the greatest luck for uh, this August and your future uh, achievement. Thank you very much for having me.